have the great honor of introducing Pastor Graham Evans, who's going to be sharing this message with us today. He, for those of you that don't know, he is the founder and senior pastor of all the View Churches. Um, Graham and Jenny have given their hearts and their lives to, to this church, to build a church. The reason we can sit here today is because of their faithful, um, you know, just faithful lives and faithful giving. Also, Graham is one of my favorite preachers. Yeah, I love um, Pastor Graham's messages. There's been truths that have been imparted in my life through messages um, that have gone with me, that I still carry with me today. Um, if you ask me now, like, what, you know, what did Graham, what have you learned from Graham? I can rattle with a bunch of principles that I've learned specifically from messages that he has shared here and at other times. And so I really want to encourage you today. He's got something amazing to share. Lean in, focus, and let's stand as we just welcome Pastor Graham. Thank you, guys. It is so wonderful to be with you. Um, <clears throat> I love this church. I love where God's taking the church. Thanks. I don't know what it is. Allergies. It used to be two months. No, it's uh, 12 months sometimes. <clears throat> Guys, I am so privileged to be with you. And um, I'm speaking on a subject I've never spoken on before. Um, <clears throat> but it's always been in my heart. And that is the value of a multi-generational family. Um, that family legacy. And I'm going to speak actually about my family. Uh, something I haven't done in great detail. Um, I want to say I'm so passionate about the power and the value of a multi-generational family serving God in our time or in their time. Um, I believe the answer to the world's problems lies in Christian families. <clears throat> you can stand on your head and sing quack quack, but I'm telling you, no, there is no government there is no political party, there is no social institution that is going to save our world. <clears throat> but God-fearing Christian families who become a rock in the, in the community will flip the problems. I promise you, that is the answer. Um, the church is called the family of God. Do you know that God is a family? Uh, God, uh, the senior member of the Trinity, has called himself God the Father. Um, the member of the Trinity who died on the cross for us is called the Son of God. You guys all with me? Um, and the church is described as the family of God. So as I speak about physical families, please, it has great applicability in the church. You might be here and saying, well, there's no family here in Cape Town. Well, you can be part of the church family. Um, and maybe you are the only member of your family who's a born-again Christian. <clears throat> what a great challenge you have to see that whole thing change. Amen. <clears throat> and so the goal, I would say, is to have three or four generations um, in one family loving and serving God. And <clears throat> there's actually been, it's weird, there's been meetings where all four of my generations have been in the same church building. My mother-in-law is the only existing member of the family behind me, <coughs> the, uh, and it's been crazy. <coughs> there's been Jenny and I, there's been my mother-in-law, there's been 
whoever it was, Dino, Kelly, or Andre Leanne, um, and there's been the grandchildren. And it is absolutely phenomenal to know that, that by the grace and the mercy of God, everything I want to say is grace and mercy, grace and mercy. Because from the day Adam sinned, problems hit families. I mean, good grief. The first two boys, turned, they turned on each other. One was murdered. So, so no one's perfect. Um, but I believe my family is a tribute to the grace of God. And I just want to start saying with my family, began with my mom and dad. Have we got that photograph? Um, <clears throat> there's my dad. They were the first people in their family, to, their respective families, to become Christians. They met at church, and you know what it was? It was about loving God, loving people, and serving. They didn't intend going into the ministry. But <clears throat> my dad uh, was in the ministry uh, together with my mom. He had a radio ministry. At one stage, he had an international ministry. They were away for six months. Man, I was a little child. I don't know. Today, we leave, leave three little children for six months, <clears throat> but he had, he had, uh, his radio ministry gave him opportunities all around the country, and my dad planted about 44 churches. Very interesting, that was in the apartheid era. Only a handful of them were white churches. Uh, my dad was <clears throat> before his time, and we were from KZN, and he planted many Indian churches. So I grew up on curry. <clears throat> and whenever I get, and we buy curry, we receive gifts of curry and, and briyani, um, and, and that's the way I grew up. Um, and it was absolutely awesome. But you know, the second generation, um, my parents had three children, myself and two siblings, and I've got a little picture of the, th of the three of us. You know why I'm showing you a small? None of us in, really ever thought about full-time ministry. We never, we just served God. And I know my, my dad prayed, <clears throat> he, and my mom, and, and I'm going I'm to give you a, a photograph of my mother's, uh, my mother's Bible, where she we prayed for us. But <clears throat> I'm on the left, and you know, as time went by, we got married, and by the grace of God, all six of us, okay, and us, the three of us and spouses, serving God today. And I think it's absolutely awesome. <clears throat> both, I, my brother trained to be an accountant, I trained to be an attorney. We both Serve God, and God almost introduced the next step of full-time ministry. Um, my brother served not only um, in, uh, <clears throat> as a church pastor, but he went on to become involved in a national prayer ministry. He's retired from ministry at the moment. Um, his first wife was in the ministry with him. She passed away tragically, but his second wife was amazing. She's been such a support. She raised his kids with him. Um, and, and now she runs a counseling ministry. Um, he's an elder in his church. My sister, she was involved in church worship in different churches. Um, she lives in Australia. And the amazing thing, her husband <coughs> physically built several churches. He was a builder and a plumber. And I mean, he didn't charge for half of it. Um, you know, it, it just being involved in growing the kingdom, it's, it's actually just a, a, a mind blast. My wife, Jenny... Um, we met and uh, whirlwind relationship. She was a social worker. And she was in charge of all the teen kids' uh, social work in Springs, my first church in Durban. <clears throat> she played a key role. She, she started off when I met her when she was running Point Road, the dockside area. She was a fearless lady. 
<laughs> she would grab hold of murderers and tell them what to do and make them, tell them to love their wives. I mean, it's just insane. This, I met this tall, thin lady who was fearless. Um, you know, she started the first um, children's home in Cape Town back in the day. We, that's how we ended up coming to Cape Town. Um, Zambia, she, she and Paulman kind of started that. But you know what? It's just, I'm giving you a history of very ordinary people with many faults and failings. Get my kids up here and I'll tell you all my faults. <clears throat> they are many. <laughs> you know, uh, but it's just been about loving God and, and family and serving God together. Uh, and, and then, of course, if I'm, I'm talking about my family now, um, is we had three children. And they each got married. I'll tell you the weird, and we could have the photograph up there of the girls, first of all. <clears throat> it's funny enough, they all three look the same. <clears throat> but the lady on the left is my daughter-in-law. She was an international model. And when she was saved, she immediately began working, um, doing a whole lot of social work stuff. And, 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 and she, for, for quite a few years, we had this massive... Um, ge income generating project where she got every model in South Africa to come and model for nothing. Uh, and then we auctioned off prizes. Anyone remember those days of Models for Africa? Um, it was awesome. She married my son, uh, and we can have the three boys up there, uh, naughty boys. Um, the two on the left are now pastors. They look a lot older. That's what ministry does to you. <laughs> my son on the right. But you know, Five of them are in full time. How that happened, only God knows. I don't know. It wasn't planned. So I'm not talking to you about families being full time. It doesn't matter whether you're full time or part time. Um, and my son-in-law, sorry, my son is uh, an emergency consultant, senior consultant at Kruderskia, and he works for UCT as well, training um, emergency specialists. He, he decided not to go onto the side of specializing where you didn't make all the money. He's there on the front line. So I, I want to tell you that I have been so blessed. Um, and then let's just have the grandchildren, six grandchildren with grandpa. Um, <clears throat> do you know what? I'm trusting God for that generation. Um, they love God. I mean, little Zachy, he's preached his first sermon already. Um, on the left, the little one on the left, um, and they all, they're, each and every one of them loves God. They never miss church. So you might say to me, well, Graham, uh, you're a lucky one. You've got, the, there's a silver spoon. Um, not at all. Um, and I'll be open and honest. My dad was a pastor in the days where, um, you know, it was a case of, Lord, you keep him humble, we'll keep him poor. I mean, <clears throat> we had nothing. I went to university, walked 10Ks there and 10Ks back. And there were holes in the furniture. Five years at university, I never invited one friend over. <laughs> it was never going to happen. But you didn't kill us. Uh, you know what? It didn't kill us being poor. Um, but it also helps when you're working with people um, to know that uh, you can understand where people are. But I've, I've got Deuteronomy 28 verse 13 coming up. It says, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands, the Lord your God, that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top and never at the bottom. Anyone who's known me over many years will know <coughs> I have proclaimed that to our congregation and I've, 
I've told you, I've proclaimed it over my family because it is the word of God. I think in families, we need to ask God for words. Seriously, the word of God is there. God, give me a word for my child. Give me a word for my family. Give me a word for my husband, um, my parents, and hold on to that word. Uh, and it's been amazing how, uh, and, and God gave us a, a personal a passage of scripture in Isaiah that Jenny and I held onto from before our children were born. And I, I believe God has honored. So guys, what I want to say, God is a God of multiple generations. You know, when, when God decided to save people uh, when the world had, was a total mess, he, he, he decided to do it through a family. Uh, and that was Abraham. He chose Abraham and, and a whole generation, uh, sorry, in, in Genesis, we find the whole story of how God then gave him a son at the age of 100. How many of you would love to have a child at 100? Oh, my, help. Please help me, Jesus. Um, 100 years of age, Isaac, his son, the story of Isaac. And, you know, God made a covenant with Abraham, and he repeated it with Isaac. And then uh, he had twins, Isaac and Esau, uh, sorry, Jacob and Esau, and God chose Jacob as the one because of his heart. And right through the Old Testament, it's the God of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of three generational uh, leaders, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And in the New Testament, Jesus also repeats it. And then in Acts, Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, Acts 3, verse 13, for it is the God of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. Um, and, you know, I like to think my dad's name was Reg, the God of Reg, Graham, um, and Derek, and Leanne, and why not? Um, the God who loves, because you see there's a strength in three generations together. It's a platform for multiplication. Think about it, physically and spiritually. Um, that, that when a family is formed, you know, at any given stage, um, you're starting in, at the bottom floor because so I'm going to talk about building. And I have shocked some people that I've married by talking to them about their grandchildren. And you can see it running through their minds. You know, you know I've, I've, I haven't been able to even think past this wedding. You know? Never mind, we haven't decided we're having children. You're talking about our grandchildren. But I tell you, before you know it, you're a grandparent. It's like, Wow. I remember when my last child finished school, I went like this down the aisle. I thought, I'm never going to another school presentation into the event again. Woo! I did that. Walking down the aisle, I thought, never again. I blinked my eye, and I, and I started going to grandchildren's school. <laughs> Everyone learn patience and endurance. Go to, one of the, go to a school prize giving. Anyone agree with me there? <laughs> Woo! Every child gets a prize for dressing well, this right, whatever it is, for smiling at the teacher, carrying the teacher's handbag. Um, okay. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> for some of you, this may be a switch off. You're saying, my family's a total mess. We have issues, we have rifts. So many people in my family have never been saved or they've fallen away from God. And you see, we live in a world um, of brokenness. And I want to tell you, even in my family, I can go through the history. 
My, my mother was thrown out by an abusive father who, was a, who had a drinking problem. Uh, my dad came from a very strange, uh, his father was a, was a military man. We know nothing about the guy. Um, I mean, it was like crazy that in those days. You looked wrong at your father. The belt came off. You got belted. I mean, all these things. So there's no such thing as an unbroken family. It's just that God can move you from brokenness to blessing. So there might be addiction, dysfunction. Uh, you, could be, you, could, you might come from three or four generations of divorce, um, kids off the rails, and you say to me, Graham, what is the point of even speaking to you about generational families? Well, can I tell you this? The, um, the law of harvest, of sowing and reaping, works two ways. Yes, um, if, if we disobey God and we sow the wrong seed, we are going to arrive with a mess. However, the gospel is the good news. Because when you come to Christ and you begin to sow good seed, eventually a new harvest, by God's grace, will overtake the old harvest. And you know what? Start where you are. Start praying. Start serving your unsaved family, praying for them. You have no idea what God will do because that's his plan. It's not like, you know, you know what, I've decided your family is a write-off, so we're just going to leave you to just uh, disappear uh, into the mist. No, there is no write-off family. God is waiting for a family member to take a stand. Amen. Woo! Awesome. Um, Think of that new, you see, there might be a bit of reno, renovation. So my, remember the family, listen, we did a big renovation a few years ago. What a dumb thing to do. Do you know that I moved the lounge wall one meter? Do you know that when you chop a wall down, there's five lorry loads that you've got to pay for. <laughs> it cost me more to take those old bricks away than uh, just about all renovation. I mean, it's crazy. Um, we gutted our kitchen and gutted another room. And we, th we thought, listen, the results were good, <clears throat> but there was a lot of pain in renovation. And so I'm going to encourage you to be strong. Um, if you need to start with, remember, God is, God is the renovator. You're just helping him. So our problem is we try to renovate in our own strength. I mean, so guys, I'm going to, Use the image of a building to give you some principles to work with. And I'm going to read Psalm 127 in the message. If God doesn't build the house, the builder, builders only build shacks. In South Africa, we know what a shack looks like. <clears throat> if God doesn't guard the city, the night watchman might as well nap. It is useless to rise early and go to bed late and work your worried fingers to the bone. Don't you know he enjoys giving rest to those that he loves? We try and do everything in our own strength. <coughs> and when you're working yourself into a coma, who's raising your children? The neighbor next door, the neighbor's kids. And that's where we get into a mess. Don't you see that children are God's best gift? The fruit of the womb, his generous legacy. Now, I know there are times when the child's cheeky and cheeky, and this is going on and that's going on. My best gift? Yes, it is. The family legacy. The children that God gifts you with. See, it's all about an attitude change. <laughs> Am I right? 
<coughs> that it doesn't matter what's going wrong or what's going down, your child is still God's best gift. So I've got a picture of a shack there. And why I've got a picture of a shack is I want you to make a decision that in Christ, your family isn't going to be a shack. By the grace of God, through lots of mercy, I don't want to be part of building a shack. Because you see, all it takes is a strong wind, a fire, a flood, uh, and that shack is washed away. It's not a permanent thing. And tragically, so many people <coughs> start marriage with a point of view that if this doesn't work out, we will end it. God wants us to build a strong family that stands the test of time. Generations of families who love God, worship Him, and serve. I think it's been the key in my family. Is, and Jenny and I had no intention of going to ministry, but we were going to, man alive, Jenny literally took all my money as an attorney to fix up an informal settlement. I mean, we owned a small black and white TV because all the, I mean, that's my wife. If you know my wife, Jenny, um, she just started that. I don't think any, I, we didn't even know there was such, there was such a thing as informal settlements. It was one of the first ones in Durban. I think it might have been Cato Manor. I can't remember. Um, we just got busy. Um, and by God's grace, we are seeing him uh, as the master builder of our family. I've got a picture of a house there. Uh, can we put that picture up? That house is 900 years old. I want to ask you, could you imagine... Your family still serving God in 900 years' time. <clears throat> well, if Jesus doesn't return, if he doesn't return, I don't want to be around anywhere in 900 years with the mess that we're making in this world. But if he doesn't, come. What a wonderful vision. I think it's awesome. Um, so I'm, I'm just, what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at foundations and the first floor, the ground floor. South Africa, we call the, the lower floor the ground floor, and then it's the first floor in America. It's the ground is the first, it's the second and the third. So I want you to think of the ground floor and, and the foundations as what God does in our life before we get married and, and, and the marriage. And then, then the second floor is children and third floor grandchildren, uh, grandparents. Yeah? Grandchildren and grandparents. Can you, can you live with that? Um, I've got a picture there of building a wooden house and all those beams you can see, they are structural to keep the house going, standing and strong. There's a foundation underneath it. And so what I want to just briefly talk to you about five structures, call them what you like, um, cornerstones, structural beams uh, that are needed for that house to be able to go up several floors. Uh, I've said to you that some of us are going to have to do renovation. For others, you're starting afresh. First of the five, revelation of a far-reaching vision for your family that will burn bright in the bleakest circumstances. God continually and progressively spoke to Abraham. He says, your family is going to be like the sands of the sea. I want you to know that in generations to come, your family has been called by me to serve me. That's what God said to him. Um, Isaac and Jacob had this vision. Uh, and I think one of our problems is everything starts going wrong because we don't have a vision. Our only vision is to get through next week. 
You think, I just got to get through next week. Just got to get through next week. Just got to get through. Just, I just hope we got petrol money. We need a, I've got to pay for the school tour. And it's, we, we can't see beyond. Can we have a vision? Childless Abraham and Joseph. You know, God gave Joseph dreams. And then he went, he became a slave. He became a prisoner. That vision never died. Abraham, um, I just want to read um, the, the vision that God gave Abraham in Genesis 12, 2 to 3. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. Isn't that what God wants for every family? I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. You know what? People who attack our family, let's leave them to God. He will deal with them. Um, all the families on earth will be blessed through you. In so many different ways, when your family grows and serves God, many people are blessed. Guys, isn't, it's, not, it's not how much money you're making. He's a rich doctor. He's a famous that. He's built this construction company. So flipping what? I want to know how many people are being helped and reached for Jesus. Seriously. And that's where Israel went wrong. They, wanted, they didn't realize we are blessed to be a blessing. And so they stopped at the getting blessed. And I, it's great when your family's blessed. But you're blessed to be a blessing. Amen. Genesis 13 verse 16. And, you, and I will give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. God gave this vision to Abraham before he even had a child. Amen. So the first one is vision, a revelation that gives you a vision. Secondly, faith to trust God when all seems lost. You know, when everything's going well, it's great to have faith. But it includes the understanding that God will cause all things to work together for good to those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. Tell me, are there things in your life that are going wrong? Do you have the faith that God will cause those things to work together for good? I mean, how many of us, I mean... You know, how many times God has given my kids jobs at the right moment? I mean, Derek was a, had studied, and then the government said, well, goodbye, he didn't have a job to go to. I mean, um, Kelly was the same. Leanne, what's she going to do? I mean, I, I bumped into a doctor on the beach. We're walking on the beach. I said, Leanne's going to need a job. He said, tell her to come and see me. They, just, they actually gave, put her into the practice. I mean, she was still a young doctor. I mean... There was a time Kelly didn't have work. She, she had studied, but she hadn't done a teaching diploma. No jobs. I said, but God's going to cause us to work together for good. This Alcona school phone, I said, we'll take you, and you can, you can study the, the teacher's diploma while you're teaching. I mean, we've just seen so many good things. God wants to turn your problems to good. Amen. But it's faith in God. And I want to read Romans 4 verse 19 about Abraham. Abraham's faith did not weaken. Even though at about 100 years of age, he figured, that was a clever thing, that his body was as good as dead. Oh my word, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. Um, and in this he brought glory to God. 
He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. Guys, that kind of faith, by the grace of God, will take your family where God wants it to go. Because I promise you, there are going to be moments where you're going to think, what? The flip? How did my child get into that? How did that happen? I mean, my husband, my wife, my job, my career. I mean, whatever it is, those things are so often at risk. Stand in faith. Believe in faith. So you see, vision, faith. Um, and I've got so many stories. You know, we had a lady in our church. Oh, shame, man. Um, actually, I don't want to give details about it. Um, they're no longer in the church. They've moved or left Cape Town. But her husband was cheating on her, big time. And, um, and he would laugh at her, and he would talk to the girlfriend on the phone there. And she kept saying to me, God has told me to, to not leave my husband, that my husband's going to be restored to me. And I still got to the stage where I said, you know what? Seriously, you need to end this, because it's having such a bad effect on you. And you know what happened one day? The girlfriend's husband found out and came, and he... He literally killed this guy. He beat him up. He punched him. He kicked him. And you know, in that moment, he came to Christ. And he ended up a leader in the church. So, I mean, guys, I, I'm just saying to you that when you hold on to your faith, look, there are some situations I, I've told people where it's dangerous, where you need to actually leave this marriage because you or your child's going to be killed or whatever. But when you get a word from God, you can hold on to it. Amen. Then, thirdly, prayer and intercession. Guys, dogged, unrelenting prayer. The Bible talks about like the widow who, who, who pestered the judge. We've got to proclaim the truth of God's word, especially salvation for our children. I'll never forget the pastor who told us that one of their kids was wavering. And he said, we just need to tell you that we didn't, we didn't give birth to you to populate hell. I mean, whoa, I've never forgotten that. I've never forgotten that. That doggedness, that determination to pray people in. Pray with faith for the impossible. And I read you a scripture where, where Jesus said, um, he was speaking about the impossibility of rich people, the difficulty of rich people getting saved. And I, I think that category of rich people probably in 2020 would include all of us. And this is what he said. I say it again. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. You might say it's easy for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than my husband, my wife, my off-the-rail kids, right? My father-in-law, who's an atheist. Um, and the disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible but with God, everything is possible. With God, everything is possible. That should be the motivation for our prayer and intercession. You do not stop praying. You do not stop interceding. You do not stop calling on God. You do not stop repeating the word of God. Amen. My father-in-law was so angry when I went into the ministry. I wasn't welcome in his house for five years. I used that, and so Jenny went there every Sunday for lunch in the afternoon. That's when I studied, because I had to do my theology degree part-time. 
But you know, the day came when he was coming to our church. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you can't give up. I can give you a lot of testimonies, by the way, on family. Yeah, maybe I, I don't know whether I've got time. Help me, Lord. Am I really out of time? Um, I, he had a major drinking problem. And when we got married, Jenny was so fearful, even of the wedding. Would he be drunk, whatever? So we, we had the honeymoon. I said, right, we're going to trust God. This. We took authority over alcohol. Do you know that he stopped drinking? Never drank again for decades. I mean, when he passed away, we had to dispose of this massive, um, I mean, he had this bar. I mean, some of that alcohol must have, you, I mean, it's been there for years, untouched. But that's the power of God in family. If you've got an alcoholic in your family, but you've got to pray, believing and trusting, amen. Woo, now my mom, I've got, can we have a picture up of that Bible? Page my mom's Bible, King James Bible. You'll see a whole lot of names all over the top. Every time a new person was added to the family, my mother wrote it in her Bible. And you can see she's underlined by the mercy of God is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. She got up every morning and prayed for every member of the family. Do you know that there were times... And I was so glad it wasn't just me. He spoke to Derek and said, do you know that you are being kept and blessed because of your grandmother's prayers? Um, there needs to be someone in the family who's prepared to grit it through. So, okay, so we've looked at vision, we've looked at faith and prayer, then extraordinary love. It includes endless grace and mercy and much forgiveness. It's a love that understands the importance of dealing with offenses. Do you know that family is the true breeding ground for all offense? Help me. <laughs> Fences grow like weeds in the jungle in the family. And that's the tragedy of family. Um, hurt and offense. So I believe if you want a healthy family, every family member needs to needs to grow or develop an extraordinary love that can only come from the Holy Spirit. You can't, you can't use that extraordinary love. You have to keep calling on God. Then lastly, service. Um, you know what? When a family is serving the family, serving the church and serving the community, something happens. There's a strength that binds the family together. Um, it was crazy. Um, Joseph learned humility and a heart of service while he was a slave and a prisoner. Are you a slave at the moment? Do you think your, do you think your boss is just the slave master and you're the slave? I've had that experience. But you know what? God's preparing you, and the most important thing is that heart of service. I want to read from Genesis. It's such an interesting thing um, where Joseph speaks about extraordinary love and service. Remember that his brother sold him. And then when they found out later on that it was that Joseph was their brother when they went to Egypt, they just thought he was going to kill them. She says this, Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? Whew, we need a bit of that in our families. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. Guys, that is a scripture that almost needs to be 
on the mantelpiece of every home. Are you with me? Those are five awesome points. Vision, faith, prayer, extraordinary love and service. I've, how much time have I got, Tammy? Am I over time? You know, I would love to have just, okay, i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to very briefly mention the four points on the second floor. Raising up children to be children of God. And I've got four T's. The first one is training, and I'm going to read from Ephesians 6, 1 to 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. It's then bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Training. Children have to be trained to obey. Preteens. I'm talking about preteens. Learn to say please and thank you. How quickly does a child learn to say gimme and how many decades to say thank you? Any parent with me? Please, thank you. Sharing is caring. Oh, my head. Over and over again. Where you have to be the parent. No, you can't go there. Sorry. We don't do that in our family. And you know what? Training them to actually love God, to read the Word of God. So, respect, I believe, Cheek is not acceptable. Reading the Bible. Discipline. I'm talking about discipline. You know that if a child doesn't learn discipline by the time he's a teen, oh my heck, you've got one rebel rouser on your hands. Have you not? Fun and games in the teens. So that's where training comes in. But I want to say something that might be a bit of a revelation to you. Older children have to be taught. So you think, okay, what's the difference between training and teaching? Our biggest mistake and our biggest misunderstanding about teaching is not knowing that the best way to help a teen is to help them to make good decisions from the perspective of God's Word. No, you can't do that. You've got to explain to them why that's not right and teach them to make good decisions. Can I tell you the biggest problem in our world today? The biggest problem is bad decisions. As ministers, that was a, we, we've just come from a counseling session. You've blown away. Bad decision, bad decision, bad decision, bad decision. As a parent, that's what we did. We taught our children to decide what movies to watch. If this and this happens, you need to decide, and our kids used to do it. Get up out of the movie and walk out. Now we listen to this world of social media. You can say, I'm taking your phones. Da, da, da. You take the phone. You do this. You do that. You're keeping your teenager in that training season, and he's not learning. Study. Teach your child how to study. Why to study. That's what I did. You think, I had these brilliant geniuses who became doctors. You, and you can't get into med school today. Right from the start. Why must you do it? How do you do it? Teach your children how to study the Bible. I used to love it because Jenny always got up late and there would be a massive crash and a bash and they would go out of the door, they'd be prefects and we're late and all the rest and also they'd go. 
and I'd go into their bedrooms, and I, you know what I love? To see open Bibles. They had learned. We had taught them how and why to study the Bible. And then the third, uh, the third one is T, tell. Tell your children all the wonderful things God has done for you in your family. You know, we so often tell our children about all the issues and problems we have. We are not telling them the stories of how God has looked after our family and our nation. Do any of, it, do any of us talk about the miracle of the democratic election? There's so many wonderful things. We just talk about the problems. And in Judges 2, verse 10 to 12, this was after the era of Joshua. After that generation, Joshua's generation, died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord. Because you see, when you teach children, you bring them into honor. That means there's a failure of honor. And they did not remember the mighty things that he had done for Israel. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. We've got to train. We've got to teach. Teach them how to think, how to understand. Teach your child how to think. I say that at college. I say I employ people to think. Think in context of God's word. Tell them and lastly trust. When your kids hit the 20s, there should be a great trust relationship. And then you've got this amazingly strong three-generation or four-generation bond. Shall we pray? Lord, I thank you for this great opportunity to speak about families. And Lord, I just pray, even as some of us, our hearts are sore and hurt and we see chaos and havoc around us, God, I pray that right now you would just, you would stir us into a new season of vision, of hope, that God, that, that prayer will rise up within us, that we would lay those foundations, that God, we would serve. Uh, and Lord, we know that <clears throat> we need to serve with a grateful heart. That is what encourages our children to become servers when they see how we serve. Uh, Lord, that, that there would be that astonishing love uh, that can only come from you. Lord, all these foundations, um, and I really pray that South Africa will be turned around, that we would have a, a solid revival. Lord, where you're doing great things. Um, and I pray for those that are maybe the only representative of you in a family, that miracles will begin to take place. In Jesus' name. Just as we close, you sitting here, you saying, Graham, I can't even be part of this because I don't know Jesus. You know that everything is about Jesus Christ. The only reason, the only reason we can build a strong house and not a shack is that Jesus died. His blood was shed for our salvation. And when we give our hearts and lives to him, he becomes that master builder. We are the support builder. And if you know that you need to give your life to Christ, I want to pray for you. Could you just raise your hand and put it down so I know? I'm not asking you to join. Thank you, sir. I'm not asking you to join. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not asking anyone to join or leave a church. But I believe this is that foundation stone. You're walking onto the ground and you're hammering the first foundation when you give your life to Christ. Is there anybody else? Because I believe in my message. Thank you. Put your hand down. I believe this message. I'm passionate about this message. Is there anybody else?
Father, I want to thank you for everyone who has dedicated or rededicated their hearts to you. Jesus, please forgive us of our sins. We know that as we ask forgiveness, right now, you are washing away our sins. Father, may your son Jesus come and live in our hearts through the Holy Spirit and become our leaders in Jesus' name. Can we just keep our heads bowed? Just one last thing. You, you desperately know that something needs to happen in your family and you want me to pray. Will you raise your hand? You've got a father, a mother, a child, a sibling, and your heart is so heavy and so sore. I've got my hands raised because I need to also pray for family members. Lord, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we connect with you, Father. We come and stand before you in your holy of holies. And God, we cry out for our families. God, I pray for miracle after miracle. I pray, God, that we would be astounded as we look and see a brand new building going up. Um, a brand new interconnection between generations where we're loving, respecting, honoring, and supporting one another. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. <laughs>